Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Cats and kittens, it's Ross from Eat Sleep Suplex Retweeting here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... that bitch Ross fucking the cloud. <laughs> oh, I am the Carol Baskins of ESSR. I am Ross McLeod, and you are, of course, listening to the Raw Report on Suplex Retweet Extra on either iTunes, Android, or Spotify. But you know, you can also use those platforms to catch our main channel, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, at iTunes, Android, and Spotify. And of course, if you want to find us on social media, at Suplex Retweet is your place to go on all the major sites. But of course, I don't do this Raw Report myself. No, no, no. Please welcome my co-host who helps me reel in my fantasy bookings, the big tuna of ESSR. He's the Jim Halpert to my Michael Scott. He's Jack Graham. Jim Halpert, man. Ah. <laughs> uh. Chasing after the same bud for five seasons. No fucking thanks, mate. <laughs> I, I know when it's dead. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. Anyway, moving swiftly. <laughs> uh, third Raw, uh, post-WrestleMania. Still no crowds. Obviously, we're in lockdown. Uh, just before we start, Jack, what do you think of this Raw? I don't think it was as good as last week's, but it was still like an enjoyable watch. It was still like it was still watchable after what we've seen like before WrestleMania Raw. It was still a good watch. Stories have progressed. It was it wasn't bad. Just it wasn't up to what I thought last week's was for the Rent Arena show. Yeah, I I kinda agree there. It wasn't as good as last week, but there was still some really good stuff. You know, the money in the bank stuff was good. Uh Zelina Vega was amazing on this show. Drew McIntyre had a lot of good stuff. There was some, um, for lack of a better word, pish on this show. <laughs> but um, I don't think it offset it as much as, as you said, the pre-WrestleMania draw. But, um, Definitely, hi. <laughs> we'll get right into said pish. And I've got in my notes here, Lashley's big tyre. This segment, this went three segments. This was not just one thing. Lashley talks about how he's an elite athlete uh, at this point he nudges to the camera as if to say come on Lana a professional actress cannot you know follow a cue um, she talks about how strong her Bobby is we then go away we do multiple segments we come back Lashley flips the big tyre and then points at a different big tyre we then cut away we then cut back to see Lashley struggling with this tyre. And as if the segment wasn't bad enough, they were billing it as a £450 tyre. But then you hear commentary going, this is quite embarrassing, why can't I lift it? <laughs> uh, I don't know what to think about it. I, I, I just, I didn't get it. After they kind of putting the seeds in that... Uh, there was only the eventual split of Lana and Bobby, and they kind of do this, and it makes it appear as if they're stronger than ever. Uh, I don't know. 
I, I know it was it was total pish, and I don't know if they're doing these feats of strength just for a rumored Brock Lesnar match. Honestly, I don't care about Lashley. I think he needs to go away for a while and come back without Lana. Maybe like an MVP who managed him for a wee bit in Impact, managing him just as a total silent asshole. Have MVP be the Paul Heyman to Bobby Lashley, you know what I mean? Can you imagine a build with Brock and Bobby beating the shit out of each other and MVP and Paul Heyman going back and forward on promos? That'd be quite, that'd be actually, now, you, now you've said that, I, kinda, I want it to be that way. Like, I, I won't accept it any other way now. <laughs> I know, I know. You could get Leo Rush back, who was great, but as soon as we see it, not MVP. Nah, nah. Oh, by the way, before we talk about that, me and you were obviously fantasy booking as we do on this show, um, and it was at the tail end of last week's recording that about 19 people from WWE were fired. Aye. That was me. I was like, I came in, like, strip purchases were wrapping up. Oh, we have just big news with like 20 folks going. I Scott, because it was at the start when they'd released like five people and Scott just kind of walked in the room and showed me his phone. I was like, oh, um, I, I guess we should talk about this. <laughs> Bye. Um, hopefully nobody gets sacked this week. Um, although whoever pitched this Lashley big tyre thing should probably clear out the locker. Um, they should have been putting the fire on last for sure. Um, we now move on to drive along with the Viking Raiders. They pillage, they raid, they eat large turkey legs, but when they're driving a reasonably priced sedan, they wear their seatbelts, Jack. They're responsible Viking Raiders. I mean, I respect their uh, prioritisation of safety in that, but what the fuck was this about? <laughs> it was as if, um, I think Ivar's the baldy one. Honestly, I've, I've honestly not attempted to learn their names. Um, but the baldy one was trying to rhyme, whereas the one with hair was just kind of like, yeah, we're Vikings, yeah. And they're just like, you could tell they were not interested. I think they were sitting there going, we really should have taken a buyout last week. This just, this just, this just has like Vince like screaming rent like all over it. Like I feel that this is probably what he wanted like, the revival to be like. Yeah, it's it's fucking annoying as well because like <laughs> War Machine came in, they weren't exactly you know masters on the mic or masters of a promo, and they did have the you know the underlying sort of Viking you know, gimmick, but at the same time, they weren't crippled by it. It's very much now a one-trick pony, I think. It's just, they're Vikings. Get with it. See, like, see, so see that whole thing when they were saying stuff and they were, like, they, they were, chat, they were chatting like Viking Raiders. See if they just didn't have the car in that equation and then had the turkey leg. See if they were just out at, like, some lock or whatever and they were, just, like, saying all that stuff that they were wanting to do and then have the kind of Viking Raider chat, but maybe, like, a few more voices in it. It might have made more sense. It still would have been, it still would have been shit, but it made more sense. Now they're just like, like dressed up Vikings, like doing a shit carpool karaoke. Yeah, like I sort of, like obviously you said more voices. What is if they were, they said the things, not the rhyming and the fun things, but like we pillage, we burn it to the ground, Viking Raiders, that sort of shit. Aye, then they had like some kind of like uh, choir, so to speak, doing like Viking Raiders, something like uh, that. 
Yeah, they looked kind of like two nerds going to Comic-Con. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm Batman. No, you're not, mate. No, you're not. <laughs> See, the worst thing as well, they were wearing jeans and a t-shirt. You're like, what if Vikings wear jeans and a t-shirt? These are the folk that are challenging Street Profits for the titles in the 10th of May, man. See, I... I don't see it. It's not been announced yet, and I still don't see it. I think um, it's going to be a stopgap. I think there's they're either going to go after um, AOP again, or they're going to go after like Zelina's tag team of Austin and Angel. Mm. But I don't see them going for the titles just yet. It's just it's a weird one. That's a I don't know. Um, I don't like it, it's, it's a load of fish. <laughs> um, we now move on to Cedric Alexander, make a wish Um <laughs> Alexander looked like his make-a-wish was to do his entrance with Ricochet. They've got the matching gear now, they're officially a tag team. Um, but Cedric was just so overexcited. Ricochet's doing just a single entrance. And Cedric's trying to just kind of hone in on it. And it was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> they took on um, Shane Thorne and was it Brendan Vick? Vink, uh, aye. Aye. So it seems they're a tag team now as well. Um, standard fair match. Looks like they might be a team for a while. I can maybe see them challenging the Street Profits, but not that I don't see them winning. I just don't want them to win. I mean, they've obviously we we said like the I think it was the, the Raw after Mania we were like they looked a bit kind of mismatched. So they were like obviously they were just kind of flogged together maybe that night or something, and they were just trying to get on with it. They kind of looked as if they were gelling a bit more here, but it's it's still something that I'm not really fond of seeing. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a bit yeah. Considering Ricochet was you know it was the can he do it storyline. Uh, leading up to uh, Super Showdown only to get squashed in like 30 seconds yeah, he loses the 24-7 title match to Riddick Moss he's not on Wrestlemania and now he's in a thrown together tag team I think we're just kind of frustrated for Ricochet and you know Sarah Alexander's a great wrestler former Cruiserweight champion former 24-7 champion but he just has no personality other than a great match with Kota Ibushi at the Cruiserweight Classic. How much investment has anyone put into him? You know what I mean? I know. Also, also there was a good kind of heart versus soul thing at 205 Live when he was up against Ali a few WrestleManias ago. But like, he's so, uh, I'm, I'm trying to word it as nicely as possible. For me, he's just, he's just someone that's not not and never probably will be of that Raw and SmackDown level. For me, he's just like the perfect NXT guy. Not that that's not that that's saying that's a demotion anyway, but see, like, in the, the, the wine like the Raw and SmackDown's in, you can just never see someone like Alexander Flourish. Like, he's just perfectly suited to the kind of NXT environment. No, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I've got something in the rest here. It's It's not a you know, it wasn't a bad match. It was just more the fact that it was it was a continuation for last week and it was to kind of just keep Andrade strong as US champion. Uh, 
Andrade defeats Akira Tozawa in a non-title match. Good back and forth match, but I think it was obviously very predictable that uh, Andrade was going to win. Yeah, just it makes your makes your champion look strong. It's just a kind of good a good showcase for the cruiserweight tournament. You'll see in Wednesdays. No, that was really it. Yeah, and uh, notice how Jerry Lawler after these racist comments last week was very very quiet on this uh, during this I was, match. I was I was going to say that like even just in general for the full show, like Lawler was just like a shell of who he was last week. He was so quiet, so toned down. There was a point there was like a, a kind of back and forth between him, Brian, uh, Byron and uh, Zelina and he was just tone dead, like nothing to him. He's obviously feared that when he said stuff, he'll get sacked now. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, Andrade, I don't see, and like we talked about, we don't see storylines for people at the moment. I don't see a storyline for Andrade anytime soon. I think if Alistair Black doesn't win money in the bank, I can see him going after the title, but do you see anyone on the Raw roster at the minute going after Andrade? Uh, n- no. Well, Cruz, maybe, if he loses. Well, he probably will lose, obviously, just kind of underdog story, but him going up against that kind of quartet as Lena Vega and like Andrade, Fini and Garza to get the US title would be pretty decent. But apart from that, maybe the only one I could see is kind of Kevin Owens making a mimic the storyline that was before of him going up against like, the four of them when he was going up against Rollins and Disciples he can go a big up against the four of them for the US title that might be quite interesting Fair enough um, So we mentioned obviously the Disciples we mentioned Black we mentioned Apollo and um, that takes us nicely into our Money in the Bank spotlight um, Austin Theory versus Alistair Black Apollo Crews versus MVP Rey Mysterio versus Buddy Murphy Um Three great matches, I thought, in this, Jack, three great Money in the Bank qualifiers that, besides maybe Apollo versus MVP, I could see the other two matches going either way. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was all right. Like, obviously, I always expected Black to win. I didn't think that he was ever going to win. But this match also showed to me that Ah, maybe maybe Theory's still I was gonna to say too green, but too green isn't the right word. I don't know. I just I don't feel he's there yet to be in this kind of spotlight he's just been kinda of thrown into. Obviously he did he's doing he's doing well and he's kinda of doing alright, but I just don't feel he's like fully at it yet, if that if you make sense. Yeah, I think um <laughs> it was it was not too good at that I'm also trying to word myself. It was too good for Evolve for the age it was at. I think NXT wasn't doing enough. And I don't think he's at Monday Night Raw level yet. Um, Scott was talking about it um, to me when we said Black Theory was a good match, but I don't think the two guys mixed well together. I think Theory mixes well with that sort of cruiserweight, fast-paced style, whereas Black was a bit more... Black's a brawler, you know, strikes, kicks, takedowns, stuff like that. So I think it was maybe just a mismatch, but I do agree he is. He's only 23, I believe, so, you know, he's still got plenty of time to improve, but I do agree he's maybe a bit too much too soon for him. Yeah, that was, that was my only kind of nitpick of the three qualifying matches, because all of them, it was just like, all three were a kind of really good show, and it was a good watch. I liked um, the Apollo MVP. MVP 
shown why he should be Bobby Lashley's manager. Uh, the promo he hit before it, where he says, I'm facing Alistair Black, and then he goes, no, sorry, I'm facing that other guy. Um, ah, Apollo Crews, just like totally discounting Apollo before it. And the commentary team, you know, minus Gerald Lawler, did really well to put across the story about how Cruz has got a new lease on life recently, you know, he had a great match with Alistair Black, took him to his limit, he's determined to grab this opportunity, and I thought, you know, for what was basically a showcase match, MVP put in a good shift as well. I mean, both did very well, but I thought, like, MVP was selling well, he was hitting everything good, obviously, Cruz just a kind of all-round, like, going athlete, so he kind of helped in that as well, but I, I wouldn't say that the full kind of focus on this match should have been on Cruz, like triumphantly. MVP did really well as well. Yeah. Also, um, did you bite see when he hits the playmaker and, you know, MVP's hit his finisher, he goes for the pin. I honestly thought MVP was winning. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't ever think that MVP was going to win. It was just there. I mean, and even though he realises that'd been too much of a slap, slap in the face if he won. Ah, fair enough. I think um, I think I bought for it, but maybe it's just because I'm a, a dirty, sweaty mark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the last of the three matches, um, my opinion, the best of the three matches, Rey Mysterio, Buddy Murphy. Um, we we talked about how you know it seems the whole Messiah thing's done, uh, like the Messiah's. Uh, followers but we saw in Seth Rollins promo where it showed clips of Murphy and AOP Murphy comes out he's still got Seth Rollins Titantron he's still got the disciple on his gear he's still got the t-shirt with Seth Rollins face on it Um, it looks like they're going to do a sort of bullet club thing where they just kind of splinter off and come back together when they need to I'd really like that that'd be really good because I'd keep kind of I'd keep Murphy in some sort of relevancy which he deserves. It allows Rollins to kind of, if he does go away, he can come back at any time if his, if his disciples are struggling in some way or whatever and it'll be good for AOP as well. It was, I think it's, it'd be a good decision to make if that's the way they're going to go down. Yeah. I'd like to see, uh, you know, if Vega's going to do that, Vega keeping her clients separate but then when they need to take someone down, kind of like Bobby Heenan when he wanted to take down Hulk Hogan, you know, he used to manage like the Warlord and Mr. Perfect and all that. And when, you know, Perfect's going up against Hogan, he'd shout in the Warlord and be like, you know, smash him. I'd, I would, yes, it's, um, it'd just be good to see. As I said, I didn't, I, I didn't want this, I said before, like, mainly, I didn't want the stable to end. This is something that, like, like, it had, like, longevity, like, written all over it. And hopefully, with, with that showing that, they kind of tighten Tron and still being referred to as like a disciple of Rollins, it, it does continue. Yeah. Um, the match itself, I liked, obviously, with the story of um, Ray saying this is his last chance to win Money in the Bank. Um, Buddy Murphy discounting him, going, not bad for an old man and all that. Um, and Ray getting the injury early on. I just I felt these two meshed well together and it really does, you know, beggars belief when 205 Live's struggling and yet you put on a match with two former Cruiserweight champions like that on Raw and you're just like, 
you know, you release 19 people at the weekend, uh, sorry, last week, surely to fuck you can move some of them to 205 Live and make it a show worth watching. I know, I think, I think that uh, it's going to be a given now that you're going to have a campaign for like 205 Live to be relevant again, every <laughs> Raw report. I'm always doing that because like people always complain, fuck, it's not relevant, and then as soon as they announce, like reports come out, Daniel Bryan maybe going to 205 Live, Finn Balor maybe going to 205 Live, Johnny Gargano, oh, why are they going there? No one watches it. Like You've just answered your own question. It's so people will watch it. <laughs> I mean, I was, I'd was i like them too to feud over the Cruiserweight title. I'd, I'd enjoy that. So would I. I think there's just... Throw a load of people on 205 Live and just go, look, that's your brand. We'll get Cruiserweight tag titles. We'll have a laugh with it. You know what I mean? Let's just get everyone there. <laughs> it was just it was just it was doomed from the moment it was the moment it started unfortunately when they had the cruiserweight hour on Raw see if they just left that and they just had like obviously uh, your two hours of Smackdown and just your ever show on 205 Live after it and then that was your kind of three hour show of wrestling on a Friday night or Thursday night whenever it was it would have been better that way but I think showing a crowd that's not knowing of the Cruiserweight division it was always going to fail yeah um, Rey Mysterio pulls out the win in the end so Ray Apollo and Alistair Black all qualifying for money in the bank um, Jack obviously we do the Raw Report the two Ryans do anyway back to the wrestling scum. talking about yes scum subhuman scum Um Obviously, you've got to represent a raw guy. So, who are you picking to win? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say Alistair Black. Just uh, I think he's the he's the undeniable favourite. I think there'd be some sort of maybe maybe not outrage, but there'd be like an outcry of like why didn't Black win it? Yeah, um, the rumored names for SmackDown just spoilers in case people don't know. Uh, fast forward maybe a minute because we're on our last minute of talking about this um, the rumours are Jeff Hardy and Sheamus will be the other two Smackdown competitors I think I don't see Jeff you know there's going to be a push for Jeff Hardy but I don't see it being money in the bank I don't see Daniel Bryan winning it again and I don't see Sheamus winning it again plus the fact that it looks like The Fiend may defeat Braun Strowman for the Universal title again I can't see anyone cashing in on The Fiend, do you know what I mean? I see, um, it's been advertised that it's not going to be The Fiend, it's going to be Funhouse Wyatt that's fighting Braun. <laughs> so that's, that's I was, I'm hoping, obviously, obviously I've said that now, I was hoping to keep it quiet for when we do the sweepstakes, that'll be like the only one that votes uh, Braun to win. But uh, maybe, maybe not now that I've said that, it's going to be uh, Funhouse Wyatt that's fighting. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think Black's going to win it. Um, the only other person I can see winning it is Rey Mysterio. Maybe to just do a, a sort of last hurrah storyline. Um, see, the actual thing though, it's like every every Raw male superstar has got all of this in it. It's like, well, it's Cruz, uh, Cruz, Black, Mysterio. Is it just the M3? Is it just the three and the three on the other side? Yeah, three and three. The, the three in Raw all have story to win it. The three in SmackDown have nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, it just makes sense that the Raw boys win, so fucking get up, you two Ryans. 
Oh, uh, before I get into maybe some over the line chanting, we'll just move on to the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> a massive spotlight on the the women's division on this show. Uh, five matches uh, in total. Uh, I'm just going to run through the the quick results quickly. Um, Charlotte defeats Caden Carter. Bianca Belair defeats Santana Garrett. Shayna Baszler defeats Indy Hartwell. Nia Jax defeats Kyrie Sane. And Liv Morgan defeats Ruby Riot. Um, so obviously, you look at those matches. Three of them are facing people that aren't on, you know, the raw roster. But I kind of like that. It's the sort of it harkens back to the days of when Superstars was the weekly show, and it used to be, you know, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage is in action. Hulk Hogan will be in action in two weeks. You know what I mean? It, like. It was all about them fighting. It wasn't who they were facing. You know, and Hulk Hogan would face, like, the genius, and you knew he was always going to win, and Savage would take on the Red Rooster, and you knew he was always going to win, but you were excited to see Hulk Hogan and Savage. I think the Charlotte, the Bel Air, and the Shayna match, it puts the focus on them, and it harkens back to those days. Yeah, it's just like, because obviously they put them up against, like, any kind of, even just like a named superstar in the roster, I was like, obviously the folk they did go up against, they are like kind of, they are NXT like members, but see if it was like a, an actual, say for instance, Naya, no, not Naya, who, who's, who have we got? Right, so say it was Charlotte, that defeated like Caden Carter, see if that was Charlotte yeah. against Natalia, you would just be like, oh, that's just like kind of Natalia, even more better than she is, but because it was Caden Carter that's lost, you're like, well, it's a good show and it's good experience and can come back. You have that different mindset because it is these kind of unnamed upcoming talent. Yeah, yeah. I liked um, Charlotte's storyline. Obviously, she's she's going to be in a mini feud with Mia Yim, it looks. Uh, we have uh, Io Shirai next in line for an NXT Championship match. Caden Carter was Charlotte saying, I need a tune-up and I need to stay ready. And I think it shows that Charlotte's not taking Mia and Io lightly and how Charlotte is still, you know, that's how she's the best. That's why she's the best because she doesn't take anyone lightly. She constantly tunes up. Yeah, it's just obviously with Charlotte Foyer being NXT Women's Champion, I don't like her being on Raw. <laughs> I think um, I don't see it was something Scott said Scott should just do the raw report he does more fucking research for it than I do um, <laughs> it was a it was a photo of the poster Charlotte's advertised but Becky isn't and I don't know if Becky's going to be given that time off and then maybe come back to lose the title maybe like the raw after whoever wins cashes in on the raw after or you know maybe they're just like you know what we don't need the Raw Women's Champion on this pay-per-view. I don't know if that's their thinking behind it, but um, it does seem like Charlotte will be the main Women's Champion on both Raw and NXT going forward. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably it's just a, it's a safe bet to get folk to watch, isn't it? Because obviously she's probably the most recognisable name in women's wrestling and folk, folk will tune in to watch her, like casual or kind of mark. Yeah, um, Shayna Baszler defeats Indy Hartwell. Uh, 
Andy Hartwell, who Ryan Gallagher said put up more of, more of a fight than <laughs> more of a fight than all five of the women in the elimination chamber combined. He's not wrong. <laughs> um, this again, this was a sort of it was a showcase match, but it wasn't keep you know it because Shayna wants to stay ready. It was more just showing what Shayna can do. You know what I mean? I just like she's she's now got like a a vendetta of like whenever she comes up again, she's like I'm going to break your arm, and if I don't, then that's like a loss to me. So I'm going to make sure I'm going to do it. That's like how like met like our go to now. That's a thing. Like she needs mm-hmm. to break someone's arm to feel kind of validation of one. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, Bianca Belair with her personal commentators, the Street Profits, um, defeated Santana Garrett. Um, I like that. You know, you know. I think we all know if you, you know if you're as much a, a viewer as we are. Um, Bianca Belair is married to Montez Ford, but at the same time, we saw with the Becky Seth Rollins storyline last year. Um, it's not always a good idea to get people who are involved outside of the storylines together on screen. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just kind of, I think it cheapens the woman more than the guy, if you get me. Like, yeah, she's she's his girlfriend. You're like, who cares? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just kind of hoping if Belair's talent enough to go herself, you know, Belair's talent enough to break out on her own. I'm just hoping that, in, you know, post money in the bank, she's given that opportunity and she's not just sort of the third member of the Street Profits because I don't think they need that. Uh, no, nah, nah, they don't need it, but I do feel this is the kind of the best way they could bring her in. Obviously, with the Street Profits being the tag champs and they're, kinda, they're on TV every week, they're probably like one of the, the fan favourites right now, even like in all of WWE. Bringing in Bianca with them, that internet puts her as like one of the top baby faces of the women's division. So like they'll garner like more support. So like, I understand their kind of reason for keeping them together now. Yeah, I can see it, but it is just the I I don't know. I don't know why I don't like maybe it's just past things like Becky and, you know, Seth that have just kind of soured me on it. I mean I, I do I do see where you're coming from because obviously she is she is talented enough. We were, we were surprised it is that she was like called up to Raw anyway because we thought like she'd be like straight next in line for the NXT women's title with Charlotte. And we, we were like thinking it was going to be like a proper like great feud. We'd get her that and it'd be her time of shine. But obviously, different plans. But she's flourishing in it now. Mm, I suppose. Um, Nia Jax, Kyrie Sane. Um, I think this was the poorest out of the three match. Uh, sorry, the five matches. Um, <laughs> Sane taking some nasty bumps off Naya, but I think this was just to make Naya again look strong. She qualified for the women's money in the bank last week, defeating Sane. It's to keep her looking strong. You know, just back for double knee surgery. Not really much more to say on this. I don't know if you want to take a stab at it. See this right? So that's like. Is this like three instances that she's like nearly concussed someone for being like not safe? Because like Kyrie, Becky, and was Ronda Ronda high? Uh, she dropped Charlotte in her head as well, and I think she had a a bit of a coming together with Bailey. I believe it was NXT. 
there's, there's, there's so many instances where she's like, 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 like severely injured someone, and this again, like she could, all she had to do was just rage. Like I was, I'm, I'm not a wrestler, so I was, I, I should be like critiquing folk and how to do moves. But she just had to lift Kyrie up a bit and just kind of throw her up. She literally just chucked her like straight into the turnbuckle, like with, like no protection whatsoever. Yeah, like it was just it was um, careless and stupid. Like, I, I think it's the risk see, when you have someone as big as Nia Jackson as powerful as her. I think it, it opportunities arise. You know, I say opportunities, incidents arise where you may injure someone. I don't know. It's a bit of a double edged sword. Maybe it's just you know she shouldn't be doing that sort of move. You know, because Seth Rollins injured about injured Cena Finn Balor and Sting within like a year and a half period you know what I mean so I don't think I don't think we can maybe say she's unsafe I think it's maybe just she shouldn't be doing those big power moves to people maybe around about the size of Sane maybe doing it like to a Tamina or a Beth Phoenix I would say that the, the difference in that though is how Rollins was injuring Nemes for a finishing move in which he's like obviously he was wanting to do that finishing move and then he was he still kind of told that's how he should finish the match but like this is just like random different stuff that Naya's doing so it's, it's more I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm going with this but like it's, it's, it's always one instance when Rollins injured someone there's multiple different parts of a match where Nia's doing it to someone else I think what you're getting at is it's more simple moves Nia Jax is injuring people with whereas Seth it's like it was big finishing moves yeah right got you um, so moving on to the last match Liv Morgan Ruby Riot. me and you were talking last week Ruby Riot picked up a win we thought she should be Becky's number one contender she's very underrated Uh Liv has improved tremendously since we last seen her. Um, her and Ruby had a great back and forth match. I think, you know, they, they built the, the hype of this rivalry up. It was a rivalry so hyped that it replaced Ruby with Natalia at WrestleMania. I don't imagine if this was your match at WrestleMania. Like, this, this would have been, oh, pardon me, probably like one of the best pre-show matches, like, period of like mania like this this could have been amazing then but um, we've got it now uh, it was a great back and forth match I liked how Liv hit her finisher out of nowhere um, it looks like Liv actually might be the number one contender uh, when we see Becky next if we see her at all at Money in the Bank on that bloody rat bag Alan took her in the draft when she was my my go to instead of Mandy <laughs> who Liv Morgan I was I'd I'd lived last season for the draft, and you know, she didn't like. Obviously, I'd picked her right up when like she was pure in this Lana love triangle story hanging. She just kind of <laughs> fell off the face of the earth, and I thought, right, well, she just had a good show at Mania. I'm going to try get her again. Then, literally, the round before I was going to pick her, gone. I think those if she goes up against Becky, Alan's also picked Becky, so they'll cancel each other out. Oh, that's all right then. Good. <laughs> no upset about that one anymore. No, no, I, I, I'll, I'll still have a wee bit of a grudge, but hey ho. Um, the likes of Kyrie Sane and Ruby Riot, you know, we fantasy booked for them last week. Uh, there was rumours they had been released. Uh, thankfully, that's not the case. They're still with us. But 
my God, that would have aged our show horrendously when it went out 24 hours later and the people weren't employed anymore. Oh, I know. I imagine that vocal intent. Do they actually listen? Do they actually pay attention to the product? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, uh, we move on to our last segment of the show. Um, he's Ayrshire's second favourite son behind yourself, Jack. He's of Drew McIntyre. He's the the first ever British, first ever Scottish, first ever European. You know what I mean? We can keep going. Um, well, not first ever European, sorry. That's Seamus. Um, WWE champion. I liked it. The reason we did the Cool Cats and Kittens intro, um, Drew McIntyre opens up Raw by yelling into the camera, hey, all you cool cats and kittens, and his weird American-Scottish hybrid accent. It was, when he said it, I just completely forgot like what I was referring to until I saw it on Twitter, but like, I just, it was so weird hearing it. I didn't like it. <laughs> I think Drew is charismatic and Drew is, you know, a great wrestler, but I think sometimes his delivery with his weird hybrid accent is sometimes a bit cringy, if you get me. Ah, uh, yeah, also he's, he's, he's said like many a time that he's, he's had to kind of uh, make changes to his accent so that he's more understandable to the American audience because obviously he is like a proper like hard Scottish twang, where he just wouldn't be recognised over there. It's just a shame. Um, Drew comes out and says, he speaks to Seth Rollins directly, he says, I said if you deserved a title match, you get one. And Seth, you know, your resume speaks for itself. So if you want a match, you've got it at Money in the Bank. So I've, I've got a little gripe with this, by the way. Can I, can I go on a wee rant? I only go. Right. So it's, it's been something that's been niggling at me for ages. And it's it's not just Drew. It's like past past babyface champions. Why are they, why are they all the same kind of gimmick of I'm a I'm a fighting champion and if you want the opportunity and you've earned it you can get it why why is everyone like that why is there like why Drew to me to me Drew's not that kind of person oh you've you've earned your right to face me Drew Drew should just be that kind of person if someone looks at him the wrong way in the locker room should be squaring up to him be like fucking out in that ring now you want this belt fucking come get it if you can like that's what it should be but every babyface champion is going down this route of Oh, if you have, I will be the fighting champion. I will defend this whenever I can. Uh, if you're deserving, if you've earned this, you'll see me in that ring and all that. I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I think it might be better maybe if you just said, my next title defence is at Money in the Bank. Step up if you think you're worthy, you know what I mean? Like, instead of just going, you know, oh, I'll fight every week, you know what I mean? Because no one's going to do the sort of open challenge, weekly fighting champion as good as John Cena. I think, you know, John Cena's open challenge I thought was great. And it was like a highlight of Raw in 2015, which isn't saying much because Raw was a bit shit then. But, you know, it, it always made Raw worth tuning in for. You know, you saw a mix of established talent like Kane and up-and-comers at the time like Adrian Neville and Xavier Woods. Kevin Owens made his debut with the US Challenge. You know, get a get a shot so I, I don't think anyone else can do the sort of fighting champion thing as good as John Cena basically because it was built for someone like him yeah I was I was having this conversation with my pal earlier about 
obviously John Cena did it amazingly, but he ru- he's ruined it for everyone else that he would, like could even have that kind of chance to do something like that. But it's just like it was even the same with Kofi. The night after he won the belt, he was straight on Ross and our fighting champion. I want to fight you, Rollins. We'll unify the belts. Like that's not a smart move. That's that's not what you should be doing. Like that's ah, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being too picky with it, but who knows? See um, something that might have worked for Drew, and it's something that comes from his old promotion ICW. See when Lionheart won the title. And he said, and I agree with him, you know, the ICW title to me had went downhill a wee bit. Not not a go at anyone who'd held it before, just maybe sometimes people challenging for it weren't exactly, you know, on a win streak. Or like, oh, well, you can't deny them the title shot. And Lionheart's call was, unless you're world class, you're not getting an opportunity. If you're world class and you think you can take this, come to ICW and you take my title. And, you know... You know, we saw him fight Angelico, we saw him fight Jody Fleisch, Alexander Dean came over and they unified the ICW and the UEWA title. You know, it was a it was a storyline that even, you know, before his unfortunate uh, passing, his storyline heading into Shugs with Wolfgang was Wolfgang saying, Hold on a minute, do you not think I'm world class? You know what I mean? Like being pissed off that he was passed over and it offers itself so many so many avenues, you know what I mean? I don't know why they wouldn't maybe go with that route. Ah, uh, yeah, I, can, I, I know where you're coming from with that. It's weird. Also, it's like, why is, why is Drew challenging Rollins? And why is, why is Rollins accepting the challenge? Why is Rollins not challenged Drew? And Drew accepts it. I, I feel it's just, it's a, it's, it's a weird way to go about doing it. Um, you know, before we come, came on air, I thought most of the things Drew did tonight was uh, pretty good, but you've kind of just poked holes in my argument here. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't mean for it to be this, but this is something that, like, I've, it's been building up for, like, ages, and it's, I, I, yeah. it's, it's a shame that it's lighting out now, because obviously, he's, Drew's doing a fantastic job at, like, being the champion, he's good at being the kind of face to come, this is clearly what Vince wanted Roman to be, and now he's kind of got that in Drew, and he's doing it, he's doing it well, but it's just that little gripe of being a champion. Now, I started at one thing, I was poking holes at every champion, now I'm just like, but why is Drew challenging Rollins? He's a champion, Rollins is challenging him. Yeah, it's why they want you know, when I go at Drew, you're having a go at the, the narrative for every babyface champion. Aye, just unfortunately Drew's in the fire line for it. <laughs> um, something that I don't think we can poke holes in or complain about recently, has been Zelina Vega's promo work. Um, Andrade gets suspended at the start of February. She's brought Angel Garza in, made him look a threat. She made Austin Theory look a threat with two weeks' notice. Drew McIntyre called her the biggest pain in my arse recently. Um, and Zelina just laughs it off. Zelina Vega at the minute, I think, has been sensational. Yeah, she's probably been the biggest highlight I wrote besides Drew. I also never seen it. Drew's a highlight after this bashing. I wasn't bashing him. It was bashing, bashing the narrative of babyface champions, as you said. But Zelina, without a doubt, she's probably been the best highlight of Raw 2020 period. Like, she has not done anything wrong or bad. Everything she's done has been, like, near on perfect since the turn of the year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Zelina says, you know, starts to bait him in uh, about Angel Garza, Angel and um, Austin Theory at her side. We see Andrade go to attack Drew to get revenge for his defeat last week. He's hit with two claymores. I liked how they made Drew seem so threatening with the fact that Angel and Austin were like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> when she sends, <laughs> after right. the first claymore, she says, go get Andrade. And they're like, no. Well, what do you mean, no? No, I'm not getting in there with him. She just made him look like an absolute beast. Even though the bet there was like boys, she's like, eh, what the, I was like, there was a good exchange when she was like, they were saying hi to each other, like Drew and like, no, and then you was like, oh, you're just, a, you're just the biggest thorn in my ass right now, aren't you? I felt like that lady, she was like, yeah, yeah, um. <laughs> um, so you talked about obviously being annoyed. Um, Seth then cuts a promo. I thought the promo was great. Um, you know, Seth points out the similarities to, you know, Drew and himself, you know, former Intercontinental Champions, former Raw Tag Team Champions, former uh, Royal Rumble winners, both beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for the title, you know, both amazing three-man factions, Seth was in the Shield, Drew was in the revolutionary three-man band, (laughs) (laughs) there's all the, there's all those things, and then, just to point out what we said about uh, Murphy earlier, Seth keeps the whole Messiah gimmick going. He says, the reason I have to win is so I can make the tough calls to make this place better for everyone. You know, I'm the Messiah and I have to put you down. So I thought he did well. He did what Paul Heyman did a lot in the build-up to the WrestleMania match, which was build Drew up and make Drew look threatening, but at the same time, just make Brock look that little bit better. Seth did that perfectly here. He made Drew look a million bucks, but then made him look like a million and one. You know what I mean? It was just he's just that bit better. Ah, it was, just, it was a it was a it was just a brilliant promo. Obviously, it's this it's this gimmick. He would he would. I don't think he could have cut that promo in any other gimmick he's ever been. This is this is just like this is like peak Seth Rollins right now for me. I'm not I'm not going to see a better version of Seth Rollins. I don't think this. This Messiah character is just this, this proper, like, phenomenal character work. Yeah, and obviously, we, we mentioned last week, we've seen, you know, glimpses of this, the whole Shield versus Braun Dolph and Drew, you know, the Shield versus Drew and Dolph for the tag titles. We saw, like, you know, glimpses of Seth versus Drew but we never really thought of it as like Seth Rollins going up against Drew McIntyre. This now seems like a fresh feud. This seems like something post-WrestleMania that we really, really need, you know what I mean? Something to like kickstart us again as we head to the road to next year's WrestleMania. No, it's just like, like I say, I always, I've said for, like for the past couple of weeks now that Rollins would be the first challenger to Drew because it's just like a, it's a logical route to take and it makes sense and we're getting it, and it's been played out brilliantly. I mean, I'm not going to poke holes in your argument like you did mine, Jack, but, you know, Big Show was technically the first challenger to Drew McIntyre, so, I mean... Mate, I, I would mean, go walk down and drive up and punch your fucking face in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I'm, I'm just saying, WrestleMania night, Big Show fought Drew McIntyre. It was a dark <laughs> mate, it doesn't count. It was off TV. <laughs> 
even though it was on TV, it was still technically off TV. <laughs> it was as live as this podcast is. <laughs> yes, um, live. <laughs> the match itself, um, Drew McIntyre v Angel Garza, a good match, um, goes about 10 minutes. Drew hits an absolute belter of a Claymore kick to win. Did you see Andrade, not Andrade, Angel's forehead? Pissing I the if, anything, if, if anything, Drew had it too good. Like, that, like yes. the, the kind of the, the mess up guard his face after it. It's like a huge bruising gash like in between his like eyes. <laughs> it, was, it was such a like, thunderous kick. It's not even... He didn't obviously slap the thigh to make the you know the kicking sound because it actually connected with him. So it was like almost an eerie quiet as you just seen Garza crumble and that red mark just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. There was a point you saw after obviously when Drew Drew gets the win, he's kinda on his on his knee, just kinda like kinda like recovering himself. He's like you can see him speaking to like Garza like sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Um Drew takes out the rest uh Zelina Stable. Um, I'm hoping they move away for Drew McIntyre just for like, you know, I can already see him facing Austin Theory next week because he's fought Angel Garza, he's fought Andrade, he's obviously got to beat the third guy. But I'm hoping they move away because I think this stable, you know, big Triple A, big Austin, Angelin, uh, Andrade, I keep forgetting their names, I keep, I keep getting Angel and Andrade mixed up, so I keep thinking, have I said that name? <laughs> Austin, Angel and Andrade, big triple A. Um, I think they can be a dominant, you know, faction. I think Theory needs to be in tag matches just for now, because I think he's, you know, still quite young. Yeah. But I think that this can be a really good faction, and I just, as much as I love Drew, I don't want to see him dismantling them every week. I'd much rather, you know, have him dismantle AOP and Buddy Murphy every week, you know what I mean? Because he's going up against Seth Rollins anyway. This is like, so this kind of, this kind of stable has been made, like the three of them and Vega is like, it's perfectly suited for like in a US title scene. Cause could, oh, that would instantly build up folk like your Apollo Crews and whatnot and like, like recruiting help and they could put like six man tag matches on and whatnot even just like a tag team matches of building this US title food feud it just it makes sense for that kind of picture yeah no I absolutely agree um <laughs> Drew ends the mat it ends the show doing Andrade's pose after chasing him in the back on the ramp after he's taken out Angel and Austin Theory um but Jack, as you made a wee slip up there, saying food instead of feud. Oh, yeah, I said I think, food. I think that lets us know that it's time to wrap up because you are clearly hungry. <laughs> I better, think I'm we better. Hungry, man. <laughs> I think we better go get our dinner. Um, so, thank you once again for listening. Thank you, all you cool cats and kittens who subscribe to Suplex Retweet and Suplex Retweet Extra on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. And follow us at Suplex Retweet, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, I'd like to thank the Joe Exotic to my Carol Baskins, uh, Jack. Hey, aye, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and you can tell how hungry he is with the enthusiasm he put in <laughs> <laughs> uh, We'll catch you next week. See you later. Bye-bye.